Hey guys, welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I reunite with high school classmates from my graduating class of Wissahickon High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. Thanks to Leslie for last episode 205. And if you follow the Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School or the Facebook at WWFNHS, a bonus episode dropped on Friday with Leslie and myself, some bonus material from our conversation talking about 90s music and everything that Leslie was into and everything that I was into. I'm name dropping some other classmates in relation to some great hip hop artists like Matt Wittemann and Adam Salter and Katie Pollins. That's available at youtube.com slash red shirt playa, P-L-A-Y-A. But in the meantime, Let's get into this week's episode. My guest is Javier Marquis. Now, Javier, as I mentioned early on in the conversation, I didn't really know that well. And I think I knew his sister a little bit better because we were both in musicals in middle school. She was a year older than us. And even now, she's a pretty big name here in Philadelphia with some great restaurants, which we will get into. Javier is still someone that I didn't know much about even now as adults. I see a lot of his posts on Instagram. I know he travels, but I didn't really know the context of any of that. So I was very excited to talk to Javier. And to be honest, we even get into some political stuff and conversation about race that was pretty surprising for me. So I hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Javier Marquis. Javier, man, it's crazy. I I have not seen you in a really long time. We're talking like 15 years more. Yeah. But like I've seen you on social media and, you know, Instagram, I guess probably the most. And it looks like you live like a pretty interesting life. (laughs) And people people have talked about you on the show. And like, especially like you seem like almost the gatekeeper to Florida. I am. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like Mr. Miami, I guess. Right. Yes. Except I try not to be like all those freaks right now, like running around with no mask on and not social distancing. Yeah, I think that's a problem. So I've kind of got my quarantine group of friends um, that we all kind of quarantined together, really. Um, And I just bought a house. So it's like kind of like the hangout spot because I have a pool, which is great. Thank God it's kept me like sane, you know. so yeah, but it's it's just a crazy time right now. I mean, everywhere, you know, especially down here and and up there, and what my sister has gone through, you know. Well, you know, it's funny when I was thinking earlier before before we linked up. I was thinking, I feel like growing up, I knew your sister primarily, even though we were right. in grade. <laughs> yeah. I felt like I knew your sister because she and I were both in musicals in middle school. Correct. And so she was a, a grade above. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we did we did Annie and another part of me when I was in sixth and seventh grade. So I knew her all that time and I didn't really know you. We didn't have classes and we weren't in pods yeah. together. And then I guess I started to know you a little bit more through high school, but I don't think I ever really got to know you. You were very <laughs> to me, I don't know, stereo not stereotype, whispered about, talked about person not in a bad way but you know yeah. a lot of people have talked about already you know linking up with you down in, in florida and 
when I meet up with people from time to time, someone always has a Javier story. Um, <laughs> and but you also seem to kind of bounce around crews. So I'm interested right. to, talk, to talk to you just about, you know, growing up in life and, and sure. your friends. And so did you start in Wizahicken? Uh, so we're from we were from Cheltenham. Actually, before that, we were really from Albany, like North Philadelphia, because my, oh, yeah. my father grew up there his whole life. And went to went to uh, school at Alney High, so he kind of always had this like Philadelphia edge to him, right? And then, so we were really born in the suburbs, though, like Cheltenham, Ambler. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we always had our dad, who was like this like Philly dude, you know, he had the Philly walk, right? Number one, <laughs> did you know? Did karate, and he happened to look like Chuck Norris, so everybody <laughs> thought he was like scary. You know what I mean? Because he, he looks like Chuck Norris, and now he's even more like like that because he's got like this really long like Billy Goat beard right now. Yeah. But um, so he looked like Chuck Norris. He did karate. He had that Philly strut, you know, that Philly walk. So that's my dad. And then my mom, you know, she's from Puerto Rico, um, and she's just the sweetest lady in the world, really. Um, so they met in a movie theater. Um, and we grew up in, in Cheltenham until I was about 10. And then we moved to Ambler. Okay. And, uh, you know, Ambler, it, it was cool. I mean, I think my first friend was Francesco Santo. That was my first friend at, damn, what's the middle school name? Shady Grove. Oh, yeah, yeah. What part, yeah. Of, what part of Ambler? Really lower Gwyneth. Okay. Like, um, and so my first friend was Francesco. Uh, I remember Francesco back then. It was just like this really nice, like, and he still is, but he was just like the nicest kid who welcomed me, you know? And then, you know, as you grow, you kind of find different friend groups, and, you know, people closer to home. And I guess you're right. I guess I did have like a few friend, friend crews. I mean, like Joe Bombertito is my neighbor. So I'd hang oh, out Joe with... Joe Bombertito. Love yeah. that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I hang out with Tito a lot. And then... Like, I would also hang out with, like, George Cortez for a while. He was my buddy for a long time. And his brother, Joe Blake. Mm -hmm. And um, then I just started finding, like, just a whole another crew, kind of. Like, I hung out with, like, you know, Nick Masapko. He's still a really good buddy of mine. Um, and I would hang out with, like, Jeff Pan and, um, like, the Mullen sisters. Um, and, you know, so that was kind of my crew. I just bounced around just kind of doing my thing. But I was always like really just wanting to be like inspired by something. So I would always like, I spent a lot of time alone playing the guitar. Honestly, that was kind of like my thing on the weekends where, you know, maybe a lot of people were going out. I think by like junior year, I started kind of doing my own thing. And then I had a girlfriend from Gwyneth Mercy. Okay. So um, I hung out with her a lot. And that was kind of like really what I did in high school. So, all right, podcast over. Good talking to you, man. <laughs> That's a wrap. <laughs> um, no, you know, it's interesting. So was guitar when you were really young or did that start once you were in high school? Like when I was like 13, right? So my first thing ever was I heard Jimi Hendrix, right, for the first time. And I heard uh, All Along the Watchtower. It's an amazing song. And then I got like super into um, guitar. Uh, and then also my dad was a classically trained musician, but he was also in that band, um, Sister Sledge. It's, they sang that song, We Are Family, that what? song. So my dad was a guitar player in that band. Whoa. Yeah, That's but awesome. he didn't 
he didn't make up the the um the really cool riff to that song. That was like a really famous um guy, but he was in that band as a guitar player. My dad. That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you're like so. You also danced. Yeah, Are you dancing young. No, so <laughs> that's another interesting story too. So I remember I told you I was I had a girlfriend from Gwen and Mercy, right? And she was a dancer. So what I would do is, um, you know, after lacrosse practice, because I started playing lacrosse like junior year just, just for fun. And afterwards, she would always ask, hey, can you stop by? Can you bring some friends too? We need guys to help us like in the partnering class. That's where like the dudes like lift the girls. And so the girls are doing all the dancing, but we're just there to lift them and like help them do the poses and whatnot. Good. So I didn't have any recruits. Like nobody would go with me. Right. But I wanted to make a good impression and I was obviously dating this girl. So I'd go to these partnering classes after the cross practice. Um, and then I, they were like, Hey, like you could actually be good at doing this. So I helped and I would do a lot of their shows and whatnot with them. Hmm. And I wasn't like particularly good or anything. I think it was just that I was a guy and I was able to, to like, you know, help them and I was willing to participate. But then next thing you know, I ended up getting a full scholarship to University of the Arts <laughs> to be a dancer. So I said, I got nothing else going on. Let's go with it. You know, I said, why not? And I went there for a semester. And then I realized, you know, like, it really wasn't for me. It really wasn't like what I wanted to do. It wasn't my passion. Like I wasn't, I didn't wake up out of bed and want to do that. So I decided that I was going to, you know, move on and do something different. And then that's when my like real calling actually came to me. And that's um, the world of tourism and hospitality. So really hotel management. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Okay. Um, you said you were, you mentioned you were looking for inspiration. Yeah. At what point was that like all growing up? You felt that way? Or was that like at a certain point in high school? I think from the time I was 16, I swear, like it was like that point in time, I realized, man, I really want to, I need like, it's just like feeling kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's like, I need something that kind of drives me. And, you know, that's why I went the guitar route and that was like super inspirational. And then I even tried the dance route and then that was cool, you know? Um, and then it started getting into the traveling world, like of, of hospitality. And now it's food, basically. So now I just like to eat. <laughs> about it. Prior to that, did you have hobbies as a kid? Like anything that, that you, I don't know, were you, I know you played sports in, in like high school, but, but just as a kid in general or, or with your friends, did you have things that you were, that you were into? Yeah, it's funny. Like if you talk to like George Cortez or those guys, we literally would box in my basement. Like, <laughs> every day like georgia come over and i had these like boxing gloves i had two pairs so george and i just like beat the crap out of each other and he would always win he was you know he was always like tougher than i was but um that's kind of what we did i mean yeah (laughs) and then on top of that um we played ping pong (laughs) as well okay so after so it's a great, it's a natural transition, right? After you beat the shit out of each other, then you go play some ping pong. <laughs> table tennis. Wow. Yeah, that was like what we did, basically. Was so. this pre-flight club? 
I, yeah, it was. We started our own fight club, essentially. So, and I just, I was like the Edward Norton guy. He was like the Brad Pitt. <laughs> I think I caught a couple from George from time to time growing up. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, what was it like having like a, a sister so close in age growing up that, that whole way? I think it was like, it was all right. Like I, I kind of, um, she was going her own way back then. So I think she was, I was definitely like the little brother to her. I was like the annoying little brother, you know, to my sister. Um, but I respected her. Uh, and I respect her more now for everything she's accomplished and, you know, her as a mom. But so I think she did some, some really, really great stuff after, um, high school and college. And that's kind of when I felt like I took off as well. You know, I, I think like in high school, like a lot of us were just figuring out, kind of just going with the flow. We don't really have like a purpose. We don't really have like something that motivates us. And then, you know, hopefully we can find it. Right. And I felt like I found it after. So it was good. You mentioned that you, you kind of like found some different crews mm-hmm. uh, as you were growing up. Was that like dependent on anything? So like, I mean, like in middle school, was it, was that when you were hanging out with like George? Yeah. And, and then I don't know, just like, is there a shift for you or something that happens to where like, or something else that you're into or are you dating different, are you dating different people? And so that's a different group of people. Yeah. I think those are the things that happen, right? Like you may, like you find somebody that maybe you're dating and you spend time with that person. And then also like, you know, I think in high school in terms like the whole dating thing, it was kind of like everyone always had like a boyfriend I kind of felt like or something like that. And it was also like really close, right? You know what I mean? There's a saying like now in business for like, don't shoot where you eat. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, that's exactly what you do in high school. And I just was always kind of like, I don't know, just kind of, kind of strange. So I would kind of go outside of the high school. Yeah. Did you ever like date in school or did you just completely stay away from that altogether? No, I dated a couple people. <laughs> I think I did a few, you know, but uh, that was just, that was kind of like early, you know, I think freshman kind of year and stuff. And so. then you had the, the girlfriend from Gwynedd. Yeah. 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 Um, did you notice a difference or what, I guess with me, right? I only had like, yeah. really like one group of friends. And so. Okay. Yeah. So wait, your friends were like Scott Ritter, right? Yeah. Um, Ray. Yeah. Who, who passed. Yeah. Correct while ago um so i know you were in that crew and yeah i mean how about you how was your dating life i don't did you have mm-hmm. no sure. okay. do you not listen to the podcast javier oh, I, do. <laughs> I, do. I just don't want to let you know going here towards his mouth right so. no no yeah it's like zero our friend we just weren't into it you know my mom and ray's mom were best friends we had known each other we were friends since five we lived down the street from each other so you know like a social event they're, you know, at 14, 15, 16, wouldn't be a regular for me to just go over to Ray's house and my mom would be over there or like when he started driving for him to just pick me up. And, you know, that's how I became friends with Scott and just whatever they were doing. And none of us yeah. were into, we weren't really into anything specific. Every week it could be something completely different. You know, they were really into cars. I was really into sports. It could yeah. be anything, any, any given day or night. Scott and I were really into music. Ray was really into rap. I could just go over to Ray's house and listen to DMX albums. Right. DMX and Tupac all night. You know, like, yeah. 
And so there was no, there was no empty space to be like, man, we should start hanging out with girls. Okay. Especially because we didn't have any in our social group. We didn't intermingle that much. It was pretty, it was pretty tight in that way. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's cool. You know what I mean? Like one of my best friends down here, um, and it's just funny how things change. Like, you know, he always tells me in high school too, he like didn't date anybody. He was all, he was kind of like a recluse, you know, you're not, you were, you were always like talking <laughs> social, but he was like a recluse. I was talking <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know? And now he, and now he's like the loudest guy, like in the bar and like, you know, the nightclub or wherever he is, or he just, he completely changed, you know? And it's like, sometimes people, do that when when they're older you know what I mean and um so but I feel like this is a really good I feel like you fit this you know what I mean like I'm seeing your your, your podcast and I'm like man that's, a, that's like Brad's calling right there you know I feel like you know I don't know, always for some reason I hear your podcast and then I'm like Joe Rogan you know oh. comes to mind man so okay. so that's good I dig Why that compliment yeah um thank you I mean, I like, I like, um, I do enjoy talking, right? I, obviously. Yeah. Never, Noted. <laughs> and never shut the fuck up. Um, but, you know, it's funny to mash it with like this high school thing. And, yeah. you know, in general, I've always been into just people and behavior. My senior thesis was, was kind of based off of the idea of, you know, what are people doing okay. when, you're not, when you're not with them? All right. Um, and, you know, what are the behaviors of people? And then I tie that into all other things. But just the idea of, you know, what were people doing in high school? I don't I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. But years ago, before like Facebook and everything, I used to like be very into AIM. And I just used to talk to lots of people. And I was always into like collecting instant messenger screen names and, and just knowing how to reach people and talk to people. Right. And I used to always and people talk and I used to just know tons of shit. And I worked at Wawa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I used to like see a lot of people too. And I just knew a lot of stuff about a lot of people. And I used to always think there's got to be something in like people keeping in touch or like putting out a newsletter of, hey, here's all the stuff people are up to. This guy is working at this place or this person's getting a a master's degree over here or, you know, like that would be cool stuff. I never thought now that was like probably I was probably 19 when I was thinking something like that, you know, like 2000. 2002 but here we are (laughs) well i mean for me like um i just feel like right in college like my junior year of college i knew what i wanted to do and it was weird like i had this uh teacher in college that was literally like my mentor even to this day and he was just like hey man you should well actually i'll go even before that like everything happens for a reason Right. Mm-hmm. So one day, speaking to my sister, I was hanging out with her. Like the one time she let me hang out with her, really. And like, so, you know, she was with some friends. I was in the backseat of the car. I think I was like 18. And we're driving down to Philly. We're on um, Lincoln Drive, right? Okay. And Kelly rode there. And then I, I'm just looking to the right and I'm just like, hey, man, it's one of her friends. I'm like, so what, you know, what do you do? What do you, what do, you do in life? Like, what's your deal? And he's like, oh, I'm in Temple. I'm studying tourism and hospitality. And I said, tourism, hospitality. I was like, what is that? Like, I had no clue, you know? And he said it perfectly. He's like, hotels and travel. And I said, wait a minute. I said, you mean to tell me that there's a major 
in college for hotels and travel. He's like, yeah. I was like, sign me up. Yeah. So, so that was great. So then, um, were you, were you still at UArts at this point or no? So what I did was I did a semester at university of the arts and then I went to Monco for two years and then I went to Temple for the remaining two and got my bachelor's there. Uh-huh. So I graduated from Temple with a degree in hospitality management. Okay. Um, so as soon as I was, as I was done my senior year, my first job was in Hawaii. So that's what I did right after college. Jackpot. I, yeah, I won the lottery, bro. Like I went to Hawaii. <laughs> I lived in Maui and I was there um, as a manager for the high regency uh, Maui Resort and Spa. So what happened was in college, like I was really involved. I was in all these like, student associations um, and because I wanted to build my, my network. Mm-hmm. So I was president of an association there called National Society of Minorities and Hospitality. Right? So I was the president of this thing for Temple. And um, I would travel from different states uh, and I would give presentations about the school and their um, hospitality program. And this was to like, you know, all the different students, different campuses and all the recruiters from the major hotel companies. Mm. So basically the best package, like I had Hyatt, Marriott, um, Hilton, but Hyatt came to me and they put a map in front of my face and they're like, where do you want to go? Anywhere on this map, there's a dot, there's a dot, right? So anywhere where there's a dot, there's a hotel of ours. Where do you want to go? So then I was like, how about Maui? <laughs> I said, send me to Hawaii. And they, were, they looked at me and they started laughing. They're like, of course you would pick that. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you asked me the question, so I want to go. So um, I went. They sent me to Maui. And uh, that was my first job out of college. And it was really weird because I had never worked in a hotel before in my life. Mm. And there I was working in the top revenue-producing hotel for Hyatt. And so I was really fortunate because I got to learn from some of like the best salespeople in, in Hyatt. Um, and that's what I do today. I'm director of sales and marketing uh, for Marriott. And um, so I got to learn from some of the best people. My, there's one guy there. His name is Chief Fa. And Chief Fa, wow. like he was six foot five, 280 pounds Samoan dude, right? Yeah. And during the day, he was a sales manager. So, you know, he's in a suit and tie and he's working, you know, at his desk, really, really polite. At night, he's a fire dancer and they're luau. So, Chief Fa'a has this like gash across his face, which makes him look even more intimidating, right? <laughs> and I said, Chief, I said, how did you get that gash in your face? And he's like, oh, well, one day I was doing the fire dance and, and he goes, and I missed. So, basically, it's flaming hot machete slashed his face. And, and so that was Chief Fa'a. He was the top seller for that property in, wow. in Maui. So I would learn from him. And then um, after a year there, there was, there was really, because I was there as a manager in training. What, is that, and, what does that mean, like a seller? Like, what do you, what do you sell at a... Yeah, so it's so funny. A lot of people always have these, these, these questions, right, about hotel sales. And it's like, um, so if you look, basically we're in charge of like the top line revenue for a hotel. So if you take a hotel that has like, let's just say 100 rooms, right? Um, basically every night, what you're trying to do is sell every room because uh, it's a perishable item. 
And you're trying to sell it at the highest room rate compared to your competitive set, right? Mm. So basically, if you think about it, um, there's a lot of channels of business. You have the online travel agents. So like you can go to like Expedia or Booking.com and book a room. But then there's also like the group segment of, of hotels where you can get them in bulk. And basically what you're doing is you're going after all the Fortune 500 companies who do annual meetings or regional meetings. And you're trying to get them at your hotel. So it's kind of funny because a few months ago, I was walking through a hotel that I was working at here in Miami. It was called the Hotel Colonnade in Coral Gables. And walking by, I'm like, man, this guy looks familiar. And the guy says the same thing to me. And I'm like, Joe Brown? He's like, Javier Marquis? And I'm like, yeah. So we actually bumped into each other. So he was there for a conference that one of my sales managers booked, right? So at this point, like I'll, I'll manage a team of eight to 10 sellers. And um, so responsible for all the revenue and the marketing for the hotel. And it was great to see somebody from, from Ambler, you know, at my hotel. That's funny. Now, yeah. I think Joe, I know Joe and Joey and George all yeah. like, grew up uh, across the street. Yeah. With each yeah. other. But were you and you and Joe, were you guys friends? You or? Know, we, were, we were cool through George and through, um, through Joey Blake, and then also across the street with Andy Hill. Who? So Andy Hill. I don't think I know him. Yeah, he's friends with like he's an Amber guy. He's friends with Mike Croak and those dudes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I we might, all, what's that? I might know him by face. Yeah. So we all hung out like I think one summer, the summer after uh, senior year, we all hung out a lot. And but you know people go their own ways. Um, yeah. And, and that's it. So, yes, yeah, so that's basically like what I do in the hotel world. But after Maui, it's really an amazing industry. I mean, I'm not doing a sales pitch here, but I'm just saying like it's a fun industry to like to travel. I got a chance to go around the world, go to places that I never would have thought I would have gone. And obviously, it was like on a company's dime, right? But when you travel internationally, like, you know, you want to do like a two, three week kind of stint because you don't want to take that plane ride back and forth. Right. So you often are there for business internationally, like in a place like Brazil, for instance, where I would go a lot, or I would go to the UK or Germany. And, you know, you'd spend like two weeks there. And often you would just spend the weekend because you don't want to fly back just to fly another 10 hours, right? So you spend a weekend there. And during those times, you get to explore. You really do. You get to see the city or the country that you're in. And I have some of the fondest memories of doing that just by myself, you know, which is awesome. Yeah, your Instagram. That's another reason. Like you're like you know, you're playing the guitar, you're yeah, <laughs> you're you're traveling around the world, you're like the world's most interesting man. Your Instagram <laughs> has like tons of travel pictures. Um mm-hmm. and I imagine plus you're staying at awesome places while you're well, when I worked for the Mandarin Oriental, that's a five star hotel, right? Yeah. It's a five star brand. So when I, they had one here in Miami and I worked um, for them for a while. And then, so I would travel often to the UK or Germany and I would stay at their beautiful hotel right there in London, you know? So a lot of perks to, to, um, you know, my job, my industry. Uh, and I love to travel. And like I said, I saw some places I never would have thought I could have visited and done some crazy stuff too. So favorite place to travel. Uh, wow. Oh gosh. Italy, man. Italy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we went for uh, my fiance. Her name's Liz Mary. She's also in the hotel world. So she does what I do. We're both directors of sales and marketing. 
and she works for um, Intercontinental Hotel Group, and then so and I work for Marriott. But um, she and I went to to Italy for a vacation for two weeks, and you know how I was telling you about being inspired and like how like for you like what inspires you is it music like that kind of gives you like like your hair and your arm kind of shoot up or you feel like something in your stomach that that inspirational feeling right well what does that music music definitely uh inspires me powerful monologues uh do that um but music's probably the most powerful i can tie anything with music and i can be walking down the street with headphones in and the right song will come on and it'll create a music video in my head that will inspire me that's awesome so that kind of feeling there is what I had experience with food in Italy. And I've never had that experience in my life. So like what I'm saying is that the food was so good uh, in Italy that it was, it was like inspirational in a way. Like it was the same feeling like when I first heard that like amazing Jimi Hendrix song or solo that made me want to play the guitar. The same feeling I had in Italy with food and I never thought that that could exist. So that's how awesome. That's how much I loved it. Really. <laughs> what was the dish? So it was at a place in Anna Capri. So let me give you like, let me paint the picture. It was just like, uh, it's this island in Italy. And so you have Capri and then Anna Capri, which is the, like on the mountaintop. So you have to go through this really windy street, right? To get there. And the streets like as wide as like one car, barely. So when you're in the car, you're just kind of going through this village and there's like stone walls or whatever. And you get to the top of the mountain and there's this place called Da Gelsomina. And that's the, the grandma's name was Gelsomina. So Da Gelsomina. And you go there and it's this farm. So as soon as you get off the, um, the, the van, like you smell like herbs, like you can see like the grapes, like it, I mean, you see like over like the mountain, like this beautiful like ocean of water. And then you're just up there and it's like dead silent, right? So you're sitting down in this restaurant with the most amazing view and then out comes the food. So all the food was completely homemade. I mean, even the ice cream was homemade. I have no idea how you do, but the wines were homemade. Yeah, exactly. Like churning. I mean, I don't know. I felt bad for the grandma back there. I was like, Jesus, like this is amazing. So now they love that shit. <laughs> uh, man, it was so good. So I didn't even have like a crazy dish. And that's what made it so amazing. You know what I mean? I just had like a like their version of, of a ravioli. And and I forgot what Liz had, my fiance. I think she had like a she may have had like some kind of fruit de mighty dish or whatever. But even that, just to make a ravioli and it be so for me, inspirational, like so damn good, right? That's Italy. And you can't really like, you can't describe it. You just got to like taste it. And that's, so for me, it was like the best trip ever. And so as far as when you say like, it's, it's inspirational at that point, what is, are you able to define yeah. what, what it's saying to you at that point? Yeah. Like, like I was trying to say before, like, have you ever heard a great piece of music that like makes the hairs in your arm go up? Yeah. Or do you ever see like a sports play that's like unreal that like someone does you're like LeBron James like doing something amazing you're like holy shit that was how I felt 
when I ate that. And I've never felt like that with food in my life. But, but I mean, like, are you able to like, are you able to, to capture that and, and say, are you able to know what that inspiration is speaking is, is saying to you? Like, are you able to say with this moment, are you able to translate it in, into your life going forward and, and say, here's what this means and here's what I want to do or. Yeah. Yeah. Like live a life of quality. That's what it said to me. Oh. Like, you know what I mean? It was just like, just do something great, you know, try and just be great. Cause that was like so amazing that it spoke to me in that way. So it was like, it was inspiring me to, to be great as great as I can be. So, okay. So now I'm reading it different than I was 45 seconds ago. Yeah. So you're, you're speaking to it more of like in a sense of like an aura, a feeling of how you want your life to, to feel how you want your life to, how you want to pr- pursue your life as a feeling. You want to hold that and keep that feeling. I was, and, and that was, and that was given to me through a ravioli. <laughs> yeah, no, now I get it. Now I totally get it. I was looking at it more of like a, an aha or like a, you know, like I should do blank when I get home type of. No, yeah. No. I I get, like, okay. So I get, so Javier, those are dangerous to me. Those, cause I get those like weekly. Awesome, man. <laughs> You're blessed. It's hard to even almost sometimes remember them, but they're, you know, like I said, like. You're writing them down, man. You're writing them down. You write yours? Do you get them frequently or was that? I don't, I don't always get them, but it's so funny. We started this conversation in a way about like being inspired, right? And, and I'm glad that we're going there, but it's amazing that you, you, you get those inspirational feelings often. Like, I feel like I have to search for them in, in a lot of ways, um, which takes me down some cool paths in life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's great that you feel I'm just walking down the street. That's awesome. Yeah, man. The right, the right, like I said, the right, the right song in your earbuds and yeah, you know, the right That's visual. Cool. And I've always kind of felt like that, like the, the ability, or I don't want to say the ability, like it's a superpower, especially because you, you look at it as like a blessing to be able to have those. But yeah. I've always had like these moments of euphoria almost when listening cool. to music and just taking in life. And I can remember that from like, as a kid listening to a song that I listened to like over and over again and sitting in a classroom and watching just things happening and classmates and thinking like, this is such a, this could be like such a sad music video. And it was just like a kid's song about being happy right. or whatever. But like in my head, I was watching it in slow-mo and like you would in TV. Well, that's like your creative juices flowing, man, you know, which is really cool. Like, so for me, whenever I have those moments, then I kind of go to the guitar and I'll, and I'll like play a song or, you know, create, create a song or create a melody or something like that. And then bring it to my band because I play in a band on the weekends. Of course. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, well, it's, you know, when you get like our age, 37 now. Thanks. So it's hard to find people that your age that want to play music. Like everyone's like, dude, I got a family, I got like real responsibilities, you know? I know you played, you played like jazz band in high school? You know, I did for like a minute. um, But my thing is, is more like an ear, playing by ear. You know, I wish I would have sat down and and took more time to, uh, to read music. Cause like, I respect that. Like if you look at my dad, how he plays guitar, like, I mean, he'll have like a sheet music of like, you know, Bach in front of him, right? 
that's made for like violin or made for like cello and he's transcribing it and he's playing it like right there and it's not like easy stuff i mean it's like all over like something i could never do right i just play it by ear so to me that's like real musicianship that you know and, and i don't i was never really like one of those guys so you can't read music no yeah I, I can listen to it and play it right so if i hear something on the radio that i like i'll, I'll hear and I'll, I'll play it but um as far as the reading I, I haven't done that but you know people who read music sometimes like they have a different brain in a way like you know there's people who grew up just playing music that was on a sheet so they, they're reading music and then there's people who play differently like Jimi hendrix never read music in his right. life but would create the most amazing stuff like in the world mm -hmm. so if you compare those brains like which way do you want to go right and for me early on i was like i think i want to go this way i want to go like the hendrix route i want to as much as i can you know and um and for me I, that's what makes me like the guitar the creative aspect of it so you mentioned um listening to hendrix i think something you were 13 that's like when you start playing the guitar is that when you discovered hendrix at the same time yeah yep. there, was there other music like for me i think uh like I remember Criss Cross and MC Hammer. Oh. <laughs> Those were like the first cassette tapes. Yes. That, that like yeah. I got for Christmas. That was the first. Those were the first like artists and piece of music that were mine. It was like my, I'm asking for this. I listen to this. Before that, it was right. what my parents listened to. So I right. grew up on like Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder and, and the Whisper sure. and, and Earth, Wind and Fire. What yeah. What did you grow up on before you, before you discovered Hendrix? Um, my my dad, like, and my grandfather, and every like crazy amount of music because my mom's from Puerto Rico, so in comes this like salsa rhythm that's just like crazy, or this like merengue beat that's like nuts, and like everyone's dancing, and you're just like, whoa, like where, this, where what happened, you know, like. I remember those times growing up where I'd be in my, in my kitchen, right? And my parents come from different worlds. Like, my dad's the most, the, like, whitest guy in the world, right? He's Chuck Norris. And my mom is, like, the most Puerto Rican. So, I remember, like, kind of being confused, like, when I was younger. Like, it, like one moment, things are calm. You've got, like, box in the background music. Or you've got, like, some jazz that my dad's got going on. Mm. And then all of a sudden, the whole like Puerto Rican family comes in, and now it's like salsa music, and everybody's dancing, and you're just like, like my brain couldn't like comprehend what was going on at the time, and now I love it, right? So it kind of like, but so I heard all kinds of different music, whether it was like Frankie Ruiz, who's like a really great salsa like singer, or if it was even people like Steely Dan from my dad's side, really great kind of contemporary kind of jazz, um, but. And then my grandfather played the clarinet, so he would listen to like the big bands. And every mm -hmm. every night, we watched the same episode of a show called the Lawrence Welk Show. <laughs> the Lawrence Welk Show is like oh, fuck out of here. <laughs> you know? So like I would just sit there because you know my grandfather and my grandmother lived in Albany in North Philly, so I would go there a lot um, to hang out with them and. You know, it was every night. It was a Lawrence Welk show to the point where, like, I knew the episode. I'm like, Grandpa, we've seen this before, and he still want to see it again. So, wow. so I had this crazy, you know, 
amount of uh, music and culture. And for me, that was that was really cool. Yo, you're watching the Lawrence Welk show. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're biracial also. Yeah. I mean, I would say so. I mean, like, I, I never felt... I don't want to label you. Well, no, I'm, I'm cool. I'm, yeah, no, but I think I really realized that when I lived in Texas. Like, when I lived in Austin. Um, this? Then, I, then I started realizing that. I was like, oh, man. Like, I do kind of come from two different worlds in a way. Um, when was that in Texas? So I lived in Austin right after Hawaii because I got transferred to another Hyatt hotel in Austin, Texas. It was um, Hyatt Regency, Lost Pines Resort and Spa. It was just like really beautiful um, golf resort in, in a place called Bass Trop, Texas. And that's like 30 miles outside of Austin. So I was there as a sales manager and I was just, I knew I was just like, wow, I'm definitely different <laughs> because I can, I think I was made in a way to, to feel like that. Like I was kind of thought I was like, Oh, here's a guy who's from Mexico. Right. And I'm like, well, actually I'm, I'm from Philadelphia, but you know, and they're like, well, I'm like, you know, my dad's like really Caucasian and his wife, my mom's Puerto Rican. They're like, you're not white. <laughs> So I, I felt like those things in Texas. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my personality wasn't one of getting upset by that. It was just almost like, wow, like there's some people who are ignorant. You know what I mean? And, you know, I'm not upset about it, but it's just, it was like kind of shocking in a way. It was like, it was something I didn't really experience ever before. I mean, I always knew like, you know, my name's Javier. Like, I'm, I look real Latin, you know what I mean? But when I went to Texas, I was like, it was kind of like, they were letting me know. <laughs> yeah, we see you as... Yeah, other. right, right. And that was the first time I ever experienced it. But that was only like in an area called Bass Truck, right? It was like this 30 miles away from Austin. You're kind of like, you're in another world kind of. When I got back to Austin, Austin was like really diverse, super cool town. And then there, I felt great. I felt normal. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when I went like right outside of Austin, I was like, oh, I'm not like, and I had to work there. So I wasn't really like in an area that I felt comfortable in, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. When you say, so prior to that, I guess, it's like your late 20s then, right? We're talking at this. this right. Time. So then prior to that, and did you feel like you kind of identified as just, I mean, you said like you knew that you had, you know, this, this Latino name. Yeah. But did you identify as, as, or did you think of yourself as white or did you never really even think about, I mean, you talk about oh, the yeah, differences between yeah. your families and Puerto Rican and the white side, but did you not, how did you identify with yourself? So I, I think I identified as like just a normal suburban white kid, you know? And I had those like, cause I mean, look where, where we grew up, right? So like, especially when I moved to Miami, like I was still that kind of guy. And I, even then I felt like, wow, like it was really strange. Cause I was, I was in Texas where I was like the most Latin person ever to a lot of folks there. Mm -hmm. And then when I moved to Miami right after, I was like the whitest guy in the world, right? Wow. Yeah, so then I was kind of like, damn, I'm like, where do I fit in, you know? Um, so I was always like in the middle. Um, and honestly, 
that has been really a blessing. It's been a blessing in business for me mm-hmm. in my career um, because, like, okay, fine. What what market do I need to handle? Do I need to go to Mexico or South America to to conduct business, which I've done, mm-hmm. or do I need to go to the Midwest and conduct business, which I also had to do? And either way, I felt like I was a good representation, especially in Miami. Uh, because, you know, in the Midwest, I can portray myself as, you know, somebody who is Latino, but somebody who also um, understands the American culture. And it helped me in sales like crazy, right? Because I could connect emotionally with these folks. And the same thing when I would go to, you know, um, like Colombia or Uruguay or somewhere like that to conduct business or um, because then I could speak to them in Spanish and I also have that emotional connection. So it was kind of cool. You know, like something that at first made me feel like uncertain and maybe a little uncomfortable, I ended up turning into like a really, really big positive and I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, I had a conversation with someone uh, on an episode that's going to air before this, but in talking about like being Jewish and I never really, um, I celebrated, you know, Jewish holidays. And Wait, you're, you're Jewish? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, you really don't listen to the show. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I just didn't know that. Tell, tell yeah, me yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I'm, that's why I'm so curious about this because I'm biracial, and my dad was my dad was black, and my mom's white and Jewish, and uh, so my whole family on my mom's side is Jewish, and we would celebrate holidays, but they weren't very like no one in my direct in my generation was bar mitzvah. We didn't go to Hebrew school. My mom didn't make me go to synagogue. And, wow. you know, other than my grandfather, no one was very, very, you know, serious about recognizing holidays. And so we, you know, my mom and I are still big about it, but it's not a huge deal. But yeah. I kind of had some around like the time, that, yeah, like college time or so, I started having like a little bit of regret of not being more, um, not being more knowledgeable about my culture. Um, yeah. But I always considered myself. Jewish, but I, I didn't really talk about it. And I wasn't, yeah. which is probably why I didn't even know. I didn't really talk about it in school. I wasn't, I was kind of afraid, I think. Really? Yeah. You were, you were like, were you Jewish? Yeah. Like I was, yeah. you know, like, you know, we do prayers and stuff. And, and right. like I said, we would do high holidays and, and, yeah. and all that. My mom cooked a, cooks a great Jewish dinner, um, Passovers and all that. But like around school, I didn't really have like a connection with anybody Jewish yeah. and wow. didn't get invited to bar mitzvahs or bat mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs growing up or anything. Um, I didn't know anyone really like Jewish to have that connection to. It was just my family. And so, so think, were you kind of afraid to like showcase that side of your, of your. Yeah. Because, because, you know, to be honest, like that, there was a real fear of like the reaction that you had. When when I when I mentioned it, that would be well. That's a completely rational reaction. Like what? Yeah. Like I've known, I had like a, a fear of people's reaction to that, and because when you're younger, I feel like the reaction would go from that to no, you're not, and then yeah. I feel like I have to like prove it almost. Mm, oh, I see. You know, yeah. and I don't know how to prove it. I'm not like yeah. you know, I'm not, not you speak Hebrew or something. You're not gonna yeah. like the Hebrew, yeah. Yeah, and and. So well, I get that, man, because like, so even though I've been in Miami now for like 13 years and I speak Spanish every day, um, you know, I still, I still, 
because I'm born here. So I still have like an American sort of like accent when I speak. Mm-hmm. Not as strong as I used to, but I still do. And, um, and I got over that, like, because I had the same thing. Like I said, when I moved to Miami, people are like, oh, you speak Spanish like that? Like, you're not really Latino, you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, I'm in the middle. But then I just said, screw it. Like, this is me and this is, this is my style, just like you did, you know? And I, this is who I am. And that comes with, like, maturity and age, right? I feel like we just kind of get to the point where, like, I don't care about impressing you know a stranger on the street with, with my spanish or a stranger on the street with you know how jewish you are mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's just me so yeah. i think we learned that which is cool yeah did you have like a class that you you liked or a teacher that you liked in in school you know what's weird the the best the best class for me ever in in high school was the typing class that i took man typing yeah, I'll tell you why. Because I got to like learn how to type like fast. And that's what we got to do now. Like, you know, you're in the office 10 hours a day and you're writing reports or you're adding up numbers or, you know, you're sending contracts or whatever. And like just to be or responding to emails, to clients, whatever. So to be able to like type fast, the thing I wish I would have done for where I am now, typing was great. But I think the other thing I wish I would have done is I, w- I wish I would have played golf in high school. <laughs> golf. Yeah, because like you just close so many deals on a golf course. And so I didn't start. And I don't, I'm not that great at it. Um, I play it. But when I was in, in Hawaii, like that's where I really learned how to play. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing was um, it was so distracting because – you're playing golf and you're in this like beautiful mountain and you're facing the Pacific ocean and you're about, you know, you, you're up and then all of a sudden you see like, this whale jump out of the water and you're like, like is that real? Yeah. Is that real? like, you're like in this shock and then you have to like, you know, being from Philadelphia, but to them that's just normal. So it's, yeah. So was so, yeah, this typing golf, man? Was this, was the typing like in, in high school or was this in middle school? I think it was like 10th grade. Okay. Yeah. So for me, that was like, that was super important. I mean, I got to tell you, we are very, very lucky. We're kind of like, we were the first part of like the first generation to really have like mandatory computer class. Yeah. No. And that was a typewriter back then. Like we, I remember, I remember being like young and we had, I remember like coming up through elementary school, Shady Grove. Remember when they got the first like computer I had ever seen with a CD-ROM, they had a Mac in that library and yeah. we used to play like that a hang glide game. It was like a paper airplane. You had to get it across the board. And yeah. that was like the first computer you could turn on without having to put a disc in t- to do something. Yeah. And we would like get computer lessons. And I remember sixth grade had, that's why I asked if it was high school or middle school, because I remember sixth grade typing class was one of our UA, our unified arts. Okay. Uh, it was like, you know, home ec, um, Tech ed. Uh, I thought that was high school. No, no. We, we high school. High school. I, taken, I remember being across from Dan Cassidy. It was Dan Cassidy who was across from me. In, and I think it was a home ec class. You could take it as an elective. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think we did that in, in, in high school. Man, you're bringing me back, man. 
<laughs> middle school, but like middle school home ec was, would be just one marking period and it would be split. It, the marking period would be split for home ec, half sewing. Yeah, it took sewing. And half cooking. Yeah. Oh, well, sewing didn't do shit for me. And, uh, but cooking, I started doing on my own, man. Yeah, after the fact, so. Um, but yeah, you would take typing in. And I, I used to, we used to play that Mavis Beacon game where it was like you could time you could time your typing like get to right. like and now i type 80 words per minute i've never taken another typing class in sixth grade me neither yeah but like that did it i like you learn the home keys the home exactly. row and it's a skill it really is it's like no one appreciates it but in actuality it's like probably one of the most important classes like you know that that you are offered at least in high school and honestly even in college like I don't think that I got like it wasn't the best education to to prepare me for today. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, the thing that college did for me was my connections. I had the best. I got the best connections to get me where I am. And then it's everything you learn, like on a job. And I think that's kind of the same for everybody. I'm always wondering, like something that I've been talking to a lot of people about lately is is the relationship with the, with their friends and futures were your friends, like as a student, what kind of student were you and related in college? No, like in high, in high school. Yeah. Oh, gosh. In high school, man, like in high school and even to like junior year, well, even to sophomore year in college, I just, I guess I wasn't into it. You know, I don't know why I just was like really kind of bored and, I just think it comes with the age that you you just kind of grow up one day and you, and you make a you make a difference, you know. And I think for me, like when I started growing up was when I went to Temple and I lived in Albany with my grandfather. Right, I took care of my grandpa for a while there in North Philly. And then, like, I was having to take I was having to walk three three blocks. And you know, Albany is not a good neighborhood, right? So you're walking three blocks to get to the bus. And I take the bus fifteen blocks to Broad Street. And then from Broad Street, I hopped down in the subway and, you know, I have to go to school. So I was like, damn, I'm putting in a lot of work to go to this school. I was like, I need to make something, you know, of myself after this. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think sometimes when you're thrown into the situation uh, that's not easy, you, you kind of appreciate everything more and you want to, to do better. So I think that's kind of what it did for me. Those long treks, you know, in the snow or whatever it might be. Um, does that so, mean? Does that mean that high school was was life was too easy? I, I mean, I don't know. It was just like I, I guess for all of us, right? Because you kind of go home and you can just sit on the couch and not do anything and get kind of lazy, and that's. And I think a lot of high school kids are are, are like that. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, you it just you get a chance to grow up when you when you go to college and when you you know you move forward. So yeah. Did you uh, did you work? I worked at Clemens. Do you remember the supermarket Clemens? Yeah. I was a bad <laughs> and then I worked <laughs> at a place that Jeff Pan introduced me to called the Little Gym, right? And the Little Gym was like this place for it was like a. A gym for like little kids. <laughs> no, where was that? That was next to the Taste of Italy, Tito spot. Yep, yep, and, yep. Right, so right there. So I did that, and then I worked at the uh, Constitution Center. 
Wait, wait, next to the movie, the movie world, right? Movie world, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then like Wawa was kind of down the street. That was um, my Wawa. That was your spot. I know. I was you trying know, to think. Of, I was trying to think of that the taste of Italy where Joe worked because that's where I used yeah. to always run into him. Yeah, exactly. So, so and then I went to I worked at the Constitution Center in Philly. Mm. Uh, this is my dog Bailey, by the way. Hey, Bailey. Uh, but uh, worked at the Constitution Center in Philly, and that was a cool, cool little spot. And then after that, I was flying to Hawaii, man. Just wow. Kinda, you know. What did you spend your money on when you worked like at Clemens and and the and the gym? That's a really good question. Um, like subway tickets, like for the subway in Philly. Jeez, um, uh, man, like not much. I mean, I, I think I wore like my dad's clothes a lot. You know, I didn't even go shopping. I just was like, "Pop, can I borrow that shirt?" He's like, "Yeah." Yeah, <laughs> gas, gasoline. You know, yes. car. I had a car that was like it was this Toyota Corolla from like '86, right? Yeah. And it was, it was the mustard color. <laughs> um, so we call it the mustard mobile. And I remember one day, I, um, I think I'm on Bethlehem Pike, and it just died. It literally just died on me. Like, on Bethlehem Pike? Yeah, like right there. Like I'm just driving, and didn't even give me any warning. It just was like. Pfft. Like done. I had to push it to the side, and I was like, "Well, that's that." So I should also say, in defense of the mustard mobile, it did have like I think it had like a hundred thousand miles on it, right? So you know, it was it, it definitely lived a good life. Well, at that point, yeah, it's like you know, thirteen years old. Yeah. So what do you do for fun now in Philly, man? You're living in South Philly. Yeah, yeah, in the market. Yeah, the time. Yep. Market. So, um, like. What are you doing nowadays? I mean, pre-quarantine. Before all this, I mean, uh, I traveled a lot. Uh, I had a lot of friends just all over. So I would get out of here when I could and uh, try and make long trips out of, out of different stuff I would do for work or whatever. Um, went to... I didn't really go out to like bars or stuff. I went to a yeah. lot of games. I'm not very far from from the uh, sports games. Yeah, really close to the subway. So like going to a game for whatever sport... Uh, I go to a lot, like in the summertime normally, I'd be going to a lot of street festivals. Love, oh, it's, those are the best, man. Yeah, man. Love like listening to music outdoors. Um, have you been to Chicago? Yeah, a few times. They have some great, in the summertime, like they're, they have like legendary like street festivals, like in different pockets, different areas. Love it. I've never, uh, I've probably, the only thing like hugely social I've done, I've gone to a, a, a Cubs game at Wrigley Field. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's probably the only like really fun thing that I've done in Chicago. Right. I think probably like, like New Orleans and San Fran have probably been my two like best, like recreational cities. Really? Yeah. And you know, I went to a wedding in New Orleans. That was awesome. The food was great. Yeah. 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 Love it. When you were graduating, you were going to go, you were planning on going to UArts. Right. Um, I did, yeah. Which, did you have anything else that you thought maybe you were going to do? I know you're doing this, you got this awesome offer, but did you think at any point, maybe I'll try something else or it was always going to be going to UArts and, with the scholarship? 
So you asked for the scholarship, and then, of course, I had my guitar with me. So for an elective, I took um, guitar class, right? And they were like, hey, you should just come here as a guitar major. Like, you, know, you should go to the more advanced um, courses. And so for a minute, I thought about doing that. But, you know, I asked my dad, and he's like, that's a hard life. I'm like, I'm like why? He's like, because, you know, you're going to be going from bar to bar, like trying to play. Um, at that time, you could smoke in a bar. So, you know, you're going to be surrounded by cigarette smoke. He's like, you're not going to make a lot of money, and you're going to be poor, basically. And I was like, okay, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I was like, I, don't, I do not want to do that because, you know, I remember at University of the Arts, I was literally freezing in my apartment that I had because there wasn't, um, I didn't have heat in there mm. and the heat wasn't working. So, and of course, like I was always just like a Miami dude by like just me, right? Like I didn't have like an appropriate jacket for that time. I didn't like, I didn't have like the best comfortable, warm like sheets that I needed or whatever. So I was like freezing in there. And I said, mm. the last thing I want to do is being in a situation where I don't have any money and I'm struggling. So I said, I need to think of something quickly. And then I went back to that conversation I had with my sister's friend who said he's studying hotels and traveling. And I was like, okay, that's it. Like, yeah. That's what I do. So the, the Maui story started to sound like forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yes. Okay. Well, I have a, I have a great story about that because Listen, when I moved there, I moved by myself, right? So I was just all my own. And what they do is when you, when you move um, with, with, with Hyatt, they let you stay in the hotel for like a week or two until you find an apartment. Uh-huh. And then and you also get to experience like their five-star restaurants and like the hotel because you have to sell the property. Mm-hmm. So I am staying in High Regency Maui, which is a place where people spend like their life savings, you know what I mean, to have just two weeks. I'm staying there for free. They're actually paying me at that time. And I go to their restaurant, which is, you know, breathtaking view. It's like overlooking the ocean. You got the sun setting. So like you see like the sun setting like on the reflection on the water. Super romantic. Everybody there is on their honeymoon. And then they're party of one right so i really felt like that because even like literally the guy the host looked at me he goes just for you and i'm like yeah just 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 one he goes okay nobody else is coming i'm like nobody else man just me he's like okay he's just like it was like weird for him i'm like just seat me already so then they got to know who i was but i definitely had that moment where um in that movie, it was like I, I started cracking up laughing when I saw that movie because I said I lived that experience. That's so. great. Uh, you played sports a little bit. I was like, I was, I mean, I was like awkward at sports, man. I, I played, uh, so I played football um, and lacrosse, and those are the only two things you know that that I played, and kind of like the same where in football, like. You know, obviously, you're hitting people. So in lacrosse, it was kind of like the same thing, except you couldn't line somebody up because if you line them up and then hit them, they would like call a penalty on you. And I used to, I, I got like a few penalties called on me because I would just line somebody up and just like hit them, right? Yeah. Um, but I like that. I mean, I wasn't really good at sports, but uh, it was something. 
you know, to do. So that's funny. You know, it, it took, uh, it took like knowing someone to say the right thing for you to find hospitality. And it's just kind of funny that, you know, you, you tried so many different things, including, you know, getting a, a scholarship for dancing, but even that you recognized wasn't for you. There was nothing in school growing up that would have ever pointed you towards that. Right. Nothing, nothing at all, man. I mean, nothing at all. So for me, it's kind of interesting you say that because that's why for me, it was like, I, I mean, we started the conversation again by like something, what inspires you, you know, what are you looking for? And I think that's part of what happened in high school too, where, I mean, I was definitely friends with everybody, you know what I mean? But I think I actively sort of just kind of go my own way in a way, you know what I mean? Like where I think maybe sophomore year, I, I stopped really hanging out a lot. And I just sort of was doing my own thing. And, you know, that included like playing the guitar, like I said, um, like looking for some kind of inspiration, right? That was outside of uh, anything in, in Ambler, really. You know what I mean? So um, not to say there wasn't anything there, but I just, I just didn't feel something. And that's something you have to feel, right? It's not something that, you know, it's a feeling um, type of thing. Well, I don't know. I mean, did you did you feel that you weren't inspired to go to school for dancing when you were when you made the decision before you left and but you'd already made the decision? Did you feel like you said you got to feel it? Did you know you weren't feeling it? Or did I didn't know. I didn't know I was feeling it to act to like after like till I was there with like a scholarship, like kind of like certain people in a way counting on you, you know what I mean? To do that. Um, and you know, I had some like what they call like natural abilities for it. Right. Like, so you, you have to have like a certain, your body type has to be a certain way in, in a way. Um, so like, you know, you have to think of like your, you have to be able to like point your foot almost like a paintbrush. You know what I mean? You have to have those like kind of like arches, but you have to have like a certain rotation in your hips, right. To make certain, so I happen to have those things, which is really interesting, right? They're like, wow, like you, you know, th these are the things you need, you know, you can, you can really go somewhere with this. And I said, Hey, why not? I mean, I get a chance to, to, you know, get a scholarship and, and be in university of the arts in Philadelphia. Like that's, I got nothing else going on. I mean, otherwise I can go to like Monco or whatever or I can do, yeah. you know, ended up going there and ends. But, um, so I went for it. And then as I was there, I just said, man, I don't see myself doing this for the rest of my life. Um, and there's really no money in it whatsoever. So like, I don't want to struggle. And then, you know, and plus you to think like, man, when you're, you're done being like a dancer or you're like 28 or something, and then we get to start all over again. Right. So for me, it was just kind of like, and plus, it's kind of like strange in a way, right? Like, it's not like a thing that you do, like, in our society, really. So, it's it, and beyond that, it's what, an art. What? With dance or ballet? Yeah. Yeah. And beyond that, it's like an archaic form of like dancing. You know what I mean? It's not like you're not going to use that anywhere. It's very you niche. It's very niche. Like, you can't walk into like an interview for a job of any sort or kind. And be like, what qualifications do you have for this? Oh, I was a dancer. 
Could you, you know, do, like, I don't know. Could you do like Broadway? Could you go? Yeah, like, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I don't even like musicals. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, it's so funny. You know, so what I remember about you dancing was I think I saw you maybe like, like, I don't know. What is it? Is it a leotard? I don't know what it is for a man. Is it? Yeah. yeah just like, uh, right. Yeah. I saw you in your tights or something. I feel like yeah. maybe. So like I was aware and I think you told me that you're in a dance. Team. I was like, huh. And I knew you were, you had gotten a scholarship because I remember, I remember having like a random conversation where someone mentioned it and saying right. like, yeah, he got us. Like, it was more like, you know, Javier's wearing tights. And yeah. I was like, yeah, but he got a scholarship. I go, that's pretty fucking awesome. Like to just kind of <laughs> and, and get a scholarship to go to college. At that yeah. point, I didn't have any direction or, or someone asking me to come somewhere to their school. Exactly. But in my head, I don't think I knew why. I don't think I knew about like this girlfriend that you have this relationship with that puts a whole new context. It's kind of like romantic and like Paint was a really yeah. nice guy. You know, it's very like uh <laughs> very like a TV show like Yeah, I kinda turned into Slater, that. AC Slater putting on the tights for <laughs> and saved yeah. by the bell, you know. But I think I thought you were doing it like because of your sister, because your sister danced. Mm. And so I think like I think I probably created a narrative in my head, like right. oh, he, he must like he must be stuck like going with the sister to to practice, and so <laughs> they they made him get on the squad. Or- <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, it started just from those like those classes where you're lifting the girls, and I was just like, and of course that was in high school. I mean, that's like a chance where you can spend time with like you know a girl you're dating, um, whatever, and then afterwards go for something to eat. So. That was kind of like what I would do. And then next thing you know, it's like, you know, it's tricky when you're, when you're dating someone that you like and they have a passion, they're going to try and get you to, to do those things. So in a way I was in a great sport about it. And then all of a sudden I was like, Hey, you can do this. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I got nothing. I mean, why not? I mean, something like that is just so surprising for me because I think back then, and I think this really just lends more to my, when I a lot of times when I talk about not dating, it's because I didn't have the maturity to, oh, totally. you know, and oh, so, I feel bad for like the girls that I dated. Yeah. But what you're <laughs> describing is like a very mature response to, like you said, wanting to spend time with someone and the recognition of, you know, there's something that they're into. And so you're trying to get involved. Like I would not be mature enough to put myself out there. I would be like, no, people might find out. You know, oh, yeah. like it would be hard for me to do something like that. Um, yeah. Someone asked, did I, did I wrestle in high school? Because I'm so into like pro wrestling. Like, did you do like high school wrestling? And it's like, no, because you had to wear those tights. One of the reasons <laughs> you had to wear those tights. And I just like yeah. my body in those tights. I was like, I just could never do that. Yeah. I had a different body then, man. Right <laughs> now, like I don't have kids, but I got the dad bod on already. So like, you know, uh, Yeah. Now it'd be like a really un- uncomfortable and scary sight to see me looking like that. So mm-hmm. plus, like you know, as we get older, you can't do things to your body that you used to do. Like I, when I go for a run, I gotta like stretch, man. I gotta stretch it out. Before I used to just get up and go for a run. Now I'm just like I gotta do a whole like program prior to to, to gotta, running. Out there. I gotta stretch before I come downstairs in the morning. <laughs> Kidding me? Yeah, no. I'm stretching before I shower. I'm like, all right, here we go. 
<laughs> the other day I was just like, I was on the cutting board and like my upper back just went like, Ooh. And I went like, Oh my God, I, I had to put the knife down and like, come sit down on the couch. It was like, I'm, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. You're like laying flat on your back. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought literally I go, fuck, I didn't stretch. I didn't stretch before I started cutting the, cutting the green onion, the green peppers. You're like, I need to call beer for some valet stretches. <laughs> it really feels like, um, up until that point, you like, that's like the, the marking point for like a totally different life than what you lived from, you know, 2002 to, or really from that moment, you got the word about hospitality like, right. from that moment to now, it seems like you just lived a completely different life from, you know, not just geographically and, and where you've gone to travel and, and the things you've experienced, but just, you know, the realization that you've come, the happiness you've kind of, it felt like you always knew you were looking for and yeah. the things you've learned about yourself, you know, just the realization that you had in your late twenties about, about race and your, and your own race and how, you know, people see you in certain parts of, of the sure. country. It just really feels like it's very surprising to me. You know, it just, it feels like you were, um, you were conscious of, I don't know. It feels like you were conscious that you were asleep. And you were trying to find something to wake you up. Wow. Yeah. It's a great, great way of putting it. Yeah. I was definitely conscious that I needed something. I was searching for inspiration and just in general, you know, and I knew it existed. I, I kind of felt like this, my life in Ambler for me or in Laura Gwynedd, I always kind of said, this really can't be it. You know, this can't be it. Like this can't be my life. Like, and it wasn't bad. I just was like, there's something else out there, and I knew it. And you know that by like hearing music, you're like, wow, like how could someone have created that? Like I could never have created that sound, or or even when it goes to dance, I could have never created that movement. Like where I am, you know, I have to get out, I have to experience. And it wasn't about anybody or anything particular. It was just me like looking for, for something. And I definitely feel like, you know, I've, I've found, I've quenched that, that thirst. And, you know, traveling to places, like I mentioned, like to like, you know, Rio and Brazil or like Sao Paulo and, you know, uh, or like, um, you know, Spain. Have you, got, have you been to, I mean, have you ever been to? I, the only time, only places I've traveled like is Canada, different yeah. places in Canada and the yeah. Dominican. That's well, like, if you go to if you're gonna go to the trip, like I told you Italy, but when this whole thing is over and we can all travel again, you know, see if you can go to like Sevilla in Spain, Seville, Spain. Okay. Like and the reason why is because um, you'll you'll transform to like a different like planet in a way, because you're walking through this like little village, very small cobblestone streets, and the village is like a thousand years old, right? Mm. And it's got Moorish and Spanish design and architecture throughout. And you're having like tapas every like block or so. And like, you know, Hamon Serrano, nice glass of Malbec. Mm. And you just like, you know, you, you get to transform. So for me, like I, through work, I was able to also experience a lot of these things, which is awesome. And I never would have done that if it weren't for, for my work. So uh, I feel like, you know, I found a lot of inspiration in places like Spain, places like Brazil, places like the UK even. Um, and, you know, in Miami every day, you know, you go outside and like you're hearing different, like, you just, it's a different vibe. It's a different pulse. Like you got different 
music going on. You got different languages going on. You, it's just, it's different, you know? So, um, how did you meet your wife, your fiance? So I met her at a trade show. Um, and she walked in and I remember just thinking like, man, I got to be with a girl like that. (laughs) So I said to myself, so, and so then I walked up to her, introduced myself and then I, I stalked her via LinkedIn. Right. So I got the LinkedIn game. I got the LinkedIn game. Yeah. That's my, that's my, um, online dating form. Um, so I met her, I really got her that way. And then we started, you know, dating and that was like six, five years ago. So you mentioned that she's in the same, she's in the same industry, same positions, different places. Is that like kind of comforting? Have you ever had that to, I mean, so you joined dance back in high school, like, joining on your girlfriend's interest would you yes. like to already kind of already have that with somebody? Well, you know, we, it takes a lot of self-control because when you come home, you can't talk about business. Mm. And since we do the same thing and our responsibilities are, you know, top line budgets of like 25 million and stuff that we come home and, you know, we're talking about it and we're talking about like how we can get a leg up on our competition and what, you know, what we need to do and, you know, stuff that happened with the team and the office. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of politics in the workplace, right? So, um, you know, so it's, it's tough to not talk about it and just come home. And, but we do a good job. We had to work on it and just kind of say that it's not, we don't need to talk about strategies like before we go to bed because then you can't go to sleep, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So we, we uh, but it's kind of cool because everybody knows her and everybody knows who I am in, in the industry. It's a small, community even though Miami has like a lot of hotels like 500 hotels it's still a small community mm. um, and so a lot of people know you know both of us and it's been good so since you guys can't talk about work what do you guys share into what do you guys like to do well she is like so positive one of the things I love about her man she's constantly a positive person right and sometimes I can have like you know, we're from PA, right? So we, we've, we've dealt she, a lot. She is, what? she is also, no, she's, no, she's a Cuban, oh. Cuban from Miami. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And, um, but you know, we, you and I, we being from Philly, like, you know, we, we experienced the gloomy days and the Eagles losing constantly, except for this, you know, one time. Um, so we've, we've felt like, heartbreak but she's that she grew up down here and this is like sun fun ritz glitz glam so she's always like happy like she wakes up and she's like it's gonna be a great day you know so for me that's contagious i love that um because sometimes the the doom and gloom philadelphia kind of can you know it's part of who we are in a way i don't know um so i was really attracted to her about um because of, of that and other reasons but that in particular and so basically we'll just talk about like what we're going to do, you know, on the weekend and what like, fun things we can do. And we just kind of, you know, stay positive. Um, or like we'll cook together. Like we had a really great, um, one of our first dates and this is a good thing, you know, for if you meet like a girl that you really like, right. Um, is cook homemade. Yeah, man. Cook homemade <laughs> pasta together. Okay? Oh, so, so what we did, what I did was I bought the pasta machine. It's like thirty five bucks, and and, and uh, so what you do is you get 
like a good amount of like flour, right? Maybe like a cup of flour, a quarter cup of another type of flour called semolina. Put it on two eggs and water, and then you have to like make the pasta from scratch, right? Okay. And then after like you make it, you put it like in a ball, let it sit for like five or ten minutes, and then you cut it into like little segments and you put it through the pasta uh, machine, mm-hmm. right? So we did that. And then we made the sauce from scratch. So that is a really great way to get to know somebody because you have, to work as, you have to work as a team. You know, you get to see like what you created after the fact. So that was like our fifth date or whatever. And I, it was almost like a test for both of us. Like, can we get along together? Like, am I going to be supportive to her? Should we be supportive to me? Are we going to like, you know, be a good team? Or are we going to argue about it? And it was, we did it great. I mean, it tasted amazing. So that was like one of our, one of our first dates. So, you know, she's super positive. We get along great together. Um, she makes me laugh and we have a lot of like interests. So I'm like, sign me up. This is the one, you know? <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks, man. Thank you. you guys, you guys set a date. Um, yeah, we were thinking this year, but now it's like, you know, this whole thing, um, this whole thing is crazy. So we were thinking December, but then like everything happened and my parents don't really want to travel and mm-hmm. it's, and I don't want to put somebody at that risk, you know, like mm-hmm. I'll give you a funny story. It's crazy, but I have a friend who I was his best man at his wedding and he was going to come here this weekend to hang out cause he's down from Jacksonville and he was going to go, um, uh, spend a night here with us. Okay. And as we're talking, I got a text that came above. He said, hey, it's a really good thing you canceled on me visiting you out here. Because he was like upset. And I was like, hey, you know, I don't think you should come. Things are getting worse. And I've seen him kind of out on Instagram. You know, he's out fishing. He's just up. Don't come. So I get a text from him right now, literally a minute ago, where he's like, hey, it's a good thing I didn't come to your house because I tested positive for, for COVID. You know? So it's like... I don't even know how I brought that up right now. I don't know where I was going with that, but I just saw the text. So I needed to incorporate it, <laughs> man. Like that stuff is insane. What's going on out there. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw me also post probably a few things about my feelings towards Trump and everything like that. And I'm not a fan. Yeah. You know, you know the only thing I'll say, I don't want to turn this into, you know, into I'll that. Say no, say what you want. No, but I mean like, my whole life, I've always been like, keep it politically correct. You know, I don't offend people. But I just want to say that I think it's at a point now where it's, it's you, you can't even be PC anymore about it. I mean, you don't want to go into an office place and do that. But like, you know, if you're on Instagram, and you have a voice or you have people you can talk to, like, we need to make a change, man. Like, there, this is just too negative out there. There's too much shit going on. And I think everyone has to stop being so afraid to offend somebody and have just like a dialogue about what's going on here because this, this shit's crazy. Man. I mean, I've seen people like angry at each other, racist comments coming out everywhere. The whole thing is, is, is bothering me. So, you know, I feel like people should have a conversation because they can learn, you know, like I like to hear people's side as well to see what I can learn from them. And vice versa. And I don't want to ruin your podcast by by getting, you know, spewing out what I think. But I just think 
the only thing I'm saying about it is that no, but I think people should have a conversation. They should be open to it, and people shouldn't feel that oh, it's not politically correct to talk politics. Yeah, typically okay, but right now it's too damn important, and I feel like you know people should be open to having those conversations. Well, and I I think also there's a difference between politics, you know, voting for legislation or taxes versus a conversation about human decency. Yeah. Because that's that's where we're at now. We're we're not talking about policy. Yeah, we're and, and and even though that's scary as shit too, by the way. Absolutely, absolutely. But you know, we're talking about a temperament and and a an attitude that is really like corroding the country. Yeah. Exponentially, you know. Yeah, you put on the news and you're in a bad mood. Like I'm in a bad mood when I put it on. You know, I can't even like I can't even, right? Or and you can't get away from it because every five seconds, a new headline about some bonehead thing, you know, Trump has said or is doing or like the other day, the one that got me upset was the whole, like, why would he retweet somebody saying white power? You know what I mean? Like, that's on purpose, man. That's like talking to a certain demographic out there that like, that should hear that. And then when you have a conversation with his supporters, they go, what are you talking about? Right. And I'm like, you don't know? Like, you haven't heard about this? They're like, oh, that's out of context. And I'm like, I don't think so, man. Like, I, I think, you know, and then you start having conversations with people and you realize that certain people don't want to look at maybe both sides and they're trapped in looking at, like, one way. So they haven't heard about that because their, their outlet of news isn't going to talk about it. And that's in a way you have to give it to Trump because it's kind of brilliant in the way he creates chaos. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's smart enough to know that like his base isn't listening to the other side and they're going to go his way, you know, anyway. And he, he can do anything. He even said he can shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and they'll still, you know, support it. It's lovely. Um, <laughs> I know. You know, and it's funny. Yeah, he puts so many different things out there that it creates so much chaos that when you're trying to have a general conversation with somebody, it's hard to be able to stay on point, on topic, because that person is armed with with being able to repeat so many different talking points of, you know, well, it's a lie or the media is misrepresenting it or what about Obama or like or this type of thing happens all the time. People always do this sort of thing. And you're like having to pull all these different, but I think what we're seeing now is, and we got a hint of this a couple of years ago. There's two things in, in this term that you can't, well, there's really one thing, but it's come up twice that you can't out poll, you can't outspin, and that's health. Yeah. All it a couple of years ago when healthcare votes were coming down and people who, I think predominantly vote for Republicans and, you know, just straight down the, straight down the, the party line. Right. We were finding out what was going to happen to their health insurance and they themselves had pre-existing conditions. And they said, whoa, 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 whoa. This is what we've been talking about the whole time. Oh, we can't do that. I need to keep Obamacare. We need that. Right. So you saw that. And so it failed. Right. And they failed. The Republican Party failed to put up a plausible replacement. And so it went down very dramatically with John McCain with the thumbs down. But now we're seeing it. You can't outspin coronavirus. No matter what you tell people, and we see it now, and you're seeing it 
where you are in Florida and, and a lot of other states, numbers yeah. are going back up and businesses yeah. are having to close. And when that starts happening, they start going, oh, maybe we had it wrong. Right. So no matter what Trump has been doing this whole time, at some point, it's going to catch up to normal folk who have been believing him. Correct. And real life is, you know, starting to creep in in a lot of places where they go, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's like the other day the governor was on TV, like, and he's like eating crow now because like three weeks ago, he was like bragging about, I mean, it's totally politicized, you know, it's, it's a shame and he's bragging about it. And now it's like, he's eating crow, you know, and it's, it's just, yeah, I'm just really upset with how the leadership in this country is, is doing their job. It's just, it's really not good. So it's a wild, uh, it's a wild time. And to be honest, you know, doing podcasts like this and building connections and relationships with people that I knew 15, 20 years ago is like, keeps me some like more sane than anything else that's been going on in the world nowadays. That's great, man. Yeah. You found your, your outlet, you know, it's, that's your inspiration, which is really cool. Yeah. Glad you've done that. Yep. So who else nowadays are you uh, hanging out with from the high school era? Uh, well, I, well, not hanging out with anyone really too much, but oh, I, yeah. yeah, but I talk to a lot of people like I end up talking to, I've been talking to Kelly, um, God, I'm trying to think of her last, her real last name now, Rosario. <laughs> like, she's my best friend, uh, Kelly, uh, wait, what's her name? <laughs> uh, no, Kelly Rosario. Uh, I talked oh, yeah, yeah. to her. Um, yeah, I, I get, saw that. Yeah. I get in a lot of, uh, I get a lot of, uh, conversation with Brianna McQuaid. Oh, cool. Um, I talked to Alicia Conti a good amount. Yeah. Talk to Ashley McLaughlin, good amount. Yeah, you know, Ashley, I, I, Ashley McLaughlin, she, I like, uh, I like a lot of stuff she posts like on Instagram. Like, I'm, I totally agree, you know, with it. Like, she, she posted something about, she's like, you know, your president hates you because he's trying to get rid of Obamacare even now when like it's helping so many people, mm-hmm. right? He's trying to get rid of that now. Like, what? It's almost mind-boggling. It's like people are dependent on this. Like they might not survive if you take this away from them. Right. And yet it's still something that he wants to do on his agenda. So yeah, I, I agree with like what she posts, and you know, I'm like right up that alley. So like, by the way, though, if I was still in high school, like a freshman or a sophomore, I would be like, I think I'd be really happy right now, though. You know, what I mean, just to like have time off. Yeah, I'd be loving it. Up. My parents would hate it. So if, if this was, if this was 2000 and, and even imagine that we have, you know, the internet and the cell phone capabilities then that we have, but if, if this was like 1999, 1998, and this is happening right now, yeah. quarantine, what would you be doing with your time every day? You work, I, at, your job was Clemens, Clemens is closed. <laughs> or, and yeah. you would be, no, you would be an essential worker. So you would be bagging. I would be with a mask. Mm-hmm. Would you be doing it? Oh uh, yeah. Knowing like everything it. you know and everything, would you be you'd be getting some hours at Clemens? Would you be? Yeah, working? we're invis- we're we nothing can harm us when we're that age. You know what I mean? Like we're not worried about a, a disease. So I'd be doing that, and then I think I would just be like a lazy kid, like playing the guitar, just chilling on the couch, watching you know movies, like especially. But now it's way better though, right? Because. You can stream movie like there's so oh, yeah. much more going on. You know, back then like we had a VCR, 
Like you had to like <laughs> rent a movie. Movie world would have been closed. So mm-hmm. maybe it would have been really important. You know? Yeah. In our day, you had to know like the TV schedule and oh, what comes on. I forget. TV, last time right. I was last time I was homesick, I remember there's this cool game show at at eleven thirty on on that local channel. Man, I'd be watching Lawrence Welk with my grandpa every night. <laughs> You mentioned movies. Did you have a, a movie? Do you have a movie in high school favorite movie? Um, it was like Braveheart, man. Braveheart. Okay, that was that was my jam. <laughs> big, I feel like that was like the first war movie. Yeah, of, it was Braveheart, and then because Braveheart was before Gladiator, right? And then it was like Saving Private Ryan. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But honestly, before all that, there was one called Last of the Mohicans. Yes. That was like, that was awesome. Yeah. Is that your jam too? That was my jam. But I was like 10 years old when that one came out. <laughs> Braveheart. All right. That's a very good time capsule movie. Yeah. Yeah. Man. That was a good one. So it would actually, you know, if this would have happened, you're right. If this would have happened when we were in high school, it probably would be pretty boring by now, right? We'd be dying to get out of the house. And I think a lot of kids are too. But like we said, they have so much more to like go to work with. And honestly, though, for me, I've seen every movie possible. So I'm looking forward to Monday and actually getting back to work, which is going to be good. I've been doing a little bit of freelancing, uh, okay. with editing and shooting. So Tuesday, I'm actually going out for like my first shoot awesome. uh, to do some stuff. So Tuesday or Wednesday, I got to look at the calendar. But yeah, so I'll be back out there. We'll see. You know. Yeah, well, while you're out there, stop by my sister's Hip City Veg and, and get some food, man. You know, you have her. You have. I have to send you her information. So, okay. or when when you want to go there, um, you know, when things get better, we can roll out the red carpet for you, man. So, for sure. <laughs> have you been to her other restaurant? Charlie was a sinner. I haven't been there. I I I'll be honest. I didn't know Charlie was a sinner. Sinner, and what's the other one? Begins with a B. Bar, bar bonbon. Yeah, bar bonbon. Um, I. Didn't know those were hers really until yeah. the shutdown started and I saw her quoted with talking right. about those places as well. And I was like, oh my gosh. Well, Charlie was a sinner, got like voted best cocktails in Philly, I think a year ago. Okay. And so the concept there is Charlie was a sinner. She made the restaurant inspired after my dad, right? So you walk in, it's kind of like dark. It's like, you know, it's it's a little like um, I mean. It's just dark. There's books everywhere, like on the shelves. It's like really sophisticated kind of like place, right? The cocktails are sophisticated. The food's sophisticated. And then you go to a place like like Bar Bonbon, and it's like super bright and vibrant. And it's like, you know, you got Spanish music in there. And it's a Puerto Rican vegan restaurant also with a bar. And the drinks are like more like flavorful, fresh fruit. So that's after my mom. So she made those restaurants like after, um, after my parents. So, but I really do, um, I love the food the most in Bar Bon Bon, but I like to just hang out in, mm-hmm. in Charlie um, because the drinks are so sophisticated. The mixologists are like really some of the best in Philly. So a great place to go have drinks. And honestly, when I would go to Philly for, for business, I would entertain clients uh, at, at uh, Charlie. This is a great place to have drinks and, and hang out. So Yeah, the way you describe it, I like that. I like that aura with like kind of like just, dark light yeah. and like great nice, date spot yeah great. nice drinks nice drinks with with liqueurs and yeah big ice cubes exactly exactly yeah what's what's your favorite beverage well i'm a as a general i'm a i'm a vodka and club soda okay uh, i'm a vodka and club Good. soda guy just because i like to stay hydrated 
Uh, yeah. It makes me feel like I'm drinking water. <laughs> yeah, and you don't put on pounds. Yeah. You know what I, mean? like, I love old fashions, right? So I make old fashions here at the house. We, put a, we have even a bar here, which is cool. But, you know, that stuff puts on pounds, man. So if you drink vodka soda, like, you don't feel really that hungover. At least I don't the next day. And I can drink a few of them and be, be fine. So I agree with you on that. If I'm just, uh, if I'm like just having, if I'm having like drinks, I might have like a bullet rye. Oh, okay. Nice. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. But I, anything like, but anything like that, anything mixed with like, you know, with, with rye or whiskey, any type of like a, a, a mixed whatever. I always like trying like those, those $13, you know, specialties on the menus of, of different places. I love that. So, yeah. Um, I just don't like when they throw a lot of sugary crap in there. You know what I mean? I like them clean. I like them as clean yeah. as possible. Yeah, I like it pretty much with just yeah. like the different liquors and you know. Now, maybe in old fashion, like you, you know, you model up the, the like a brown sugar cube, right? So I'm cool with that. But like you know, those like really sweet flavor stuff that they put in there, I, I stay away from those. Like, yeah, like the syrups and yeah, yeah, because you wait. That's a like hangover, like. Yeah. No, I just like, I like the liquors and I like, um, and I like, like maybe some bitters or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Perfect. And hook it up. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, man, we've been talking for, I don't know, a little bit. Um, was there anything, (laughs) was there anything that that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to talk? No, man. But when you, uh, let me know when you're, you know, you're in town. You know, you got a friend here. Um, you can stay, you know, stay here with us if you want, man. You're always welcome. So when this, when this thing's over, let me know when you're you're coming down to Miami and uh, we'll link up for sure, bro. Definitely. Well, that's that's what everyone says, man. When you come down there, you got to you gotta hit up Javier when you're yeah. the flyover. <laughs> um, well, normally this would be like the moment where I ask you to sign my yearbook, but yeah. I can't do it. But this is like... <laughs> there I am. As Have good as we can get. <laughs> looks pretty much looks pretty much the same. Just uh, you know, different hair. A little, little less hair now, man. Kind of starting to get that uh, hair loss thing a little bit. Oh, I've been there. <laughs> really? Yeah, man. I know. Yeah, but your beard is uh, your beard's good and, and colorful. It's got like no white hairs, man. I got white hairs going everywhere. No, I got them, dude. They're all yeah, they're all in there. Yeah, I can't even see him. Really? Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, you quoted G Love and Special Sauce in your yearbook. You're wearing Yeah, I know. And they 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 um they didn't put the whole quote. Oh. They wouldn't allow me to and they, no one told me. They just like <laughs> I think the whole quote was wait, what does it say there? It says stay day or it says stop daydreaming is what my teachers used to say. Yeah, stop daydreaming is what my teachers used to say. And then there's a part at the end. It talks about how like you didn't learn anything anyway, right? Like there was something at the end. There's like another part, and they took that part where I said you don't really learn anything anyway, you know, in high school, and they and they they erased it without telling me. That's great. So then it's just stop daydreaming. So I sound like a pothead kid, which maybe I kind of was. Um, and then you give a shout out to Zach and Jeff. Yeah, man. That's yeah, Zach. Uh, Zach Rowe. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Zach Rowe. So it's kind of what you were saying before, like just having so many different crews, right? Just like just different people. Like I would hang out with those guys a lot too. Zach was funny because he used to have this Jeep, a white Jeep. 
Yeah. And the white Jeep, like it had um, the windshield wiper in the back, but and it would spray. But the spray, it was messed up where the spray would go out <laughs> to the car directly behind you. Oh, I love that. So it, wouldn't hit, it wouldn't hit the, so, <laughs> so we used to drive around and he's like, hey, watch, I'm going to get this person. <laughs> and he used to spray the person behind us. That was, that was funny. I feel like I used to see him doing that in the school parking lot. And that's always stuck with me forever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, probably my most embarrassing moment, I was going to bring this up in high school, was um, when I went to, I went to a concert. I know Tom Scuderi was definitely there. Okay. It was me, it was Tom Scary, and I know Doug King was definitely there. And I think James Eckert, maybe. But we went to a fish concert after school on a Friday one day. And I was like 15, and I, I got really wasted to the point where I passed out. Okay? And, and I, I think I even threw up. It was, I was a mess. It was a complete mess at this uh, event. So that was embarrassing. But the embarrassing part is like literally the moment the concert ended, right? And they're like, good night, Philadelphia, like, is when I came to, right? And I stand up. I'm like, we're here. <laughs> I'm like, we're here. We made it. Let's go. And then I'm, everyone's like, dude, the concert's over. Like, we missed the whole concert. I missed the whole thing. It was like a trippy concert because I think Carrot Top was there and he gave me a, a bottle of water. Or it was just some guy with red hair. Yeah. But whatever it was, like, it was, it was trippy, so... Were you a, were you a partier at all? Um, I wasn't good at it. I was not good at partying, man. Like, I'm still really not good at it. Like, it's not. So, like, uh, but I, I don't think I was. Yeah, I mean, the little bit I did, I, I failed at it miserably. Yeah. Um, that's funny considering you know the the world of entertaining. That because I'm sure you do so much, you know, out and, and entertain yeah. people where you know late nights and, and people yeah. like indulge and um, yeah, you have to you have to like change them. Like, you really have to be I have to be careful in those situations. You know, it's not about going to like you know we'll we'll have trade shows in Vegas or whatever, right, or, or anywhere, and we're spending a lot of money entertaining clients, taking them to shows, having drinks, basketball games, whatever the case may be, and it can be. You know, it, it can turn into where you're drinking five nights a week for work and then two nights with your friends. So it's like there's times when you have to be in control of yourself to say, hey, wait a minute. Like, so I do a much better job now of doing that because you can get so used to it and you're having those old fashions every night or you're having that vodka soda every night. So right now I kind of limit it, you know, and I don't do as much entertaining, especially now, but even when. COVID wasn't around, mm -hmm. I would have like my team do most of the entertaining now. So I don't have to be out with clients, but for a good 11 years, you know, I was, I was hitting the road maybe a week out of every, uh, or a week or two out of every month. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm entertaining Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and flying back to Miami in the weekend and then going out with my friends and then doing it all over again. So it can get kind of exhausting. You just have to be careful. Yeah, that was uh, that was very much my life when I was when I lived in Stanford and I worked at at WWE because yeah. I traveled uh, at at the lowest Sunday at the least amount Sunday Monday Tuesday Wednesday I'd come back home so Sunday Monday Tuesday night you would after rest after you know doing a wrestling show you go back to the hotel or you drive to the next town and then you drink 
uh, yeah. and then you drink when you get there and um, then you fly home on Wednesday and Wednesday would be like your rest day and you would just go into the office and then Thursday is bar night just in town where you live. And so now you're back out with everyone that lives in Stamford, Connecticut, who works for WWE. And so now you're with the same you know, people out at the bars and you're doing yeah. it. And then it's, it's Friday and Saturday nights and it's, we got to get it in before we have to go to work. And then it's, and then it's Sunday again. <laughs> yeah, man. Alcohol can be crazy, crazy things. Got to respect it, you know? It's funny because I can remember very distinctly a day, a night, or a whole day when I thought, this is out of control. I've been doing this for like eight months. I got I to gotta stop. And I remember being so frustrated backstage. And like, this is the day I'm not going to drink, right? It's a Tuesday right. night. I'm not going to drink at the end of the show tonight. I'm just going to go to my room. And I was just like, had a bad meeting and super frustrated, having to rewrite something or whatever, and passing a coworker in the in the hall in the back of an arena and just going, "Oh, we're we're getting it in tonight." Like, <laughs> and I thought, like, "Fuck!" Like they're just like that. Like I'm, it's my crush, you know. It's like I'm stressed, frustrated, stressed. Well, what's gonna? Oh, and I know going to the bar on a you know on my expense tab. <laughs> exactly. You no. Know? Exactly. And, and, it was like you said. It was a. It was the routine. It was a cycle. Yeah, which is tough, you know. So, yeah, it's that's kind of like advice, you know. We all have to, you know, be very careful with, and um, but you know, just respect it, not take it out of control. So, well, man, I mean, this respect. I mean, that seems to be like you seem to be just the nicest, most respectful <laughs> guy, man. Um, I mean, I try, man. You know, sometimes that. Philadelphia personality comes out though, and we and you know I, I work on uh, I work on that you know not being that way. So I try to be you know a decent person, but it takes work. <laughs> yeah, man. And listen, myself included, you know uh, I, I'm trying to work at it every day. Recognize you know things that I can do to to get better. So you know, Great, bro. yeah, man, keep working. You know. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Yeah, well, let me know when you're here, and uh, you know, we'll we'll definitely link up, and I'll show you Miami. I love it. Looking forward to it. Awesome, brother. Great talking, right. man. You too, Huff. Talk soon. See you, brother. Bye. Peace. All right, that was Javier Marquis. This is a conversation that I think maybe would have gone a little bit differently had we been face-to-face, having some drinks, nighttime, I don't know. It was a daytime interview, and Javier and I got into some very serious conversation And I think it took a little bit of time maybe for us to even warm up to talk even deeper about high school things. You hear we don't really talk about, you know, Javier as far as, you know, partying until almost the end of the interview. And I think that's because we were still really warming up on talking about a lot of different topics and being the middle of the day. We didn't have time to do a six hour interview. Uh, Sometimes when we get into these conversations, especially now that we're doing them on Zoom, the time can be a constraint versus someone coming to my house, and then we just end up staying here and hanging out until midnight. But I learned a lot about Javier. I knew nothing about his family, his father, especially being in Sister Sledge. I didn't know about how Javier viewed himself, his race, and Javier kind of mentioned being shocked by some of his interaction when he was in Texas. And I was very shocked that that was the age that he really started to encounter moments like that in his life. Javier really wanted to speak on political issues and and what's going on right now. 
Um, that's not something that I prompt anybody to say or ask anyone to speak on. Uh, that's Javier feeling that at this moment in time, with this voice that he has, he wanted it to be known where he stands on some things. So Javier and I had a really healthy conversation. You know, doing this interview, you just never really know what kind of vibe you're going to have with someone. I think I learned a lot about business and preparing your life for business in a way that I haven't heard other classmates talk about in the way that a lot of things that Javier talked about as far as his race and the way that he can relate to different clients and even the future of dancing when he was first looking at the prospect of going to school and the lack of future success he saw in that. I know a lot of my friends in college and film school definitely feel like they would not have gone to film school had they known what they know now. I don't know if I feel that way, but it's conversation that I have every time I get together with people who studied film and media like I did and wonder, did they actually need to go to school for that to do what they're doing today? I don't know. Keep asking those questions. This isn't We Weren't Friends in College. It's We Weren't Friends in High School. And of course, it's available everywhere you get podcasts. Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever. This podcast is available at youtube.com slash redshirtplaya. You can see the interview. I have a different setup in this one. So if you've seen it before where the camera's facing the living room, now you can see the other side of my apartment. Check out the Facebook at WWFNHS and on Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. In two weeks, my guest will be Yuka Katabi. Yuka's another classmate I don't think I knew too much about, even though I thought I knew his crew a little bit better. Jason Herb, a classmate who's been on the show, was a friend of Yuka's. But I didn't know Yuka's story, how he came to Wizahickon, when he came to Wizahickon. I was very surprised to learn he didn't actually start in high school with us. So he'll fill us in on his roots and really what he was trying to do the entire time he was at Wizahickon. He had a singular goal in mind. I learned a lot. We had a couple beers. It was a good time. So that will be in two weeks on a Monday morning with my guest, Yuka Katabi. All right. I think that's it for me. I hope everyone stays safe, is trying to cope as best they can, and of course, staying sane. I'll see you guys in two weeks on a Monday morning. Later.